This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 1059. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, March 28th. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart. 45 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies. Topping out at 50 today. The clouds will eventually part. You'll see the sun later this afternoon. The details and the complete forecast from AccuWeather coming up in just a couple of minutes. Markets are lower, but not by much. Let's get the latest now on trading from Bloomberg and Ann Cates. Rob, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is off a point. The Nasdaq down 86, the S&P 500 down 11. The banking crisis has cast uncertainty over interest rate hikes by the Federal Reserve. Analysts at Bespoke Investment Group say investors can't seem to make up their minds as to where stocks should go from here and whether the Fed's next move will be an interest rate hike, a pause, or a cut. B. Riley Wealth Management believes that markets have looked like five miles of bad road lately. Consumer confidence has improved this month and due out this week is an update on the central bank's preferred measure of inflation. Back to you, Rob. Thanks, and we'll check in with you at 1223. There are strategies to get the most from a student visit to a prospective college. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, you may be considering filing for an extension as tax deadline approaches. Let's talk about the whens, whys, and hows with Jeff Harlow, spokesman for the Illinois CPA Society in Chicago. Jeff, thank you for joining us today. April 18th is your deadline to file your 2022 taxes. Uh, but if you feel like like you can't get that done in time or you will be unable to do so, Jeff, you can file an extension. But are there certain circumstances in which an extension will be granted? Rob, you no longer need to get permission or give a uh, justification for filing an extension. It's an automatic type thing. So it's, it's about as easy a process as there is right now. And what can you do to go about asking for that extension? Well, there are two ways to do it. Uh, Paper forms, there's a federal form 4868 and an Illinois IL-505I, and it's simply a question of uh, sending that form in. If you owe tax, it's a really, really good idea to make a payment with the extension request. So that's the paper forms way. You can also uh, file electronically if you're going to be making a payment Uh, If you make a federal extension payment, we go online to the IRS website and designate it as an extension payment, then you don't even need to file the paper form. Making that electronic payment uh, takes care of applying for an extension. And it's a very similar process with Illinois. If you make a payment online with Illinois, no need to file a paper form. 
Is this the the first uh, normal quote unquote tax season since the COVID nineteen pandemic arrived uh, uh, about a month before the twenty twenty filing date? Because there were a lot of extensions and deadlines pushed back. Are things basically back to the way they were? I think it's it's normal er would be the way that I would uh, describe it. Uh, there are still issues with a lot of CPA firms and other tax preparers in terms of finding enough staff to handle all the work that they have. So while it's not nearly as bad as it was in 2020 or 2021, even or last year, uh, I think you're still seeing a lot of uh, CPA firms, for example, taking a position that you know rather than work our people 80, 90 hours a week and try to force something out right before the due date, Let's take a deep breath. Let's file an extension request and let's get to the return uh, at a more normal uh, pace. And then let's make sure that there are no mistakes with the return before it goes out. I just keep thinking of that scene in the movie Apollo 13 where uh, Jack Swigert, played by Kevin Bacon, uh, realizes he forgot to file his income taxes for 1970 and asks for an extension because he was circling the moon. Uh, Very few of us will find ourselves in that particular circumstance. Uh, uh, How many taxpayers generally have to uh, file for an extension and how complicated is their return? Well, it's a function of two things. First of all, to answer your question, I, I think right now it's probably around 30 to 40 percent of taxpayers ask for an extension. Uh, it's a, and people that ask for an extension in some cases have very complicated returns, often receiving tax forms like Schedule K-1s that won't be available by April 18th. In other cases, you've got people that you know maybe they're not orbiting the Earth, but they're, uh, they've got something going on in their personal lives that delays them getting to their tax situation. You've got other people that just don't like doing it. Um, Strategically, it's funny. Over the years, I've had just as many people claim that they have never been audited because they never file an extension. As many people, uh, just as many people say, I've never been audited because I always file an extension. So sometimes it's just a strategic decision. Jeff Harlow, spokesman with the Illinois CPA Society in Chicago. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, making a college visit more of a family affair. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday. A key element when a student is choosing a college is the campus visit. There are ways to get the most from it, including bringing the whole family along. Let's get some insight from Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com based in Chicago. Cindy, thank you for joining us today. You know, there are two types of college towns, Cindy, and I I recall a family vacation we took, my family and I did, in the mid-90s. I was a sophomore in high school. We went to visit Washington, D.C., and one of the stops we had along the way was the campus of Georgetown University, where we took a formal campus tour. Uh, But there are a lot of other college towns where it's not so easy to fold that into the uh, uh, family vacation in the nation's capital. So what are some strategies uh, families can do if you want to have a whole, uh, for, for lack of a better word, have a family vacation in State College, Pennsylvania? Well, I think there are a lot of ways to do it. Um, I think you want to start with bundling colleges. If you're, you know, if it's, if it's a, a vacation that you add on a college trip to, that's one thing. But if the, the point of the trip is to visit some colleges, I think like Bundling three is a good idea. Only visit one a day um, because it's it's 
surprisingly emotionally exhausting, maybe just for us parents, but <laughs> it's emotionally exhausting to to do college visits. So you spend a couple hours there and then the rest of the day you do something fun. And if you've, you know, if you've bundled three, then you can plan your itinerary so that you're going to go stay in the fun place at the end of the day um, so that you can do something fun in the closest town where there's something to do. At the end of the day, I ended up going to Marquette University, which is uh, not too far away in Milwaukee. But we did have uh, some college visits, went to Wash U in St. Louis. That was a standalone trip and then uh, flew out to the University of Southern California on Oscar weekend of 1998, back when the Oscars were held across the street from the USC campus. So that was kind of fun. But um if you're bringing siblings along and they're maybe younger and they don't really understand the what a college visit is or what a college is to begin with, uh, how do you keep them entertained during that process? Well, you certainly want to find things, uh, the, the after event that works for everybody. But you know what? I'm a big believer in bringing siblings along. If no, for no other reason than you don't have to visit that college perhaps again when those kids get to be college age. Um, and it gives them a context to talk about college with the older sibling. Um, when the older sibling is talking about, you know, where they're going to go and, and the advantages of this school versus that school, then the younger kids really, they were there. They have a sense of it. Maybe they were a little bored, but they at least have a sense of it. And I always, always recommend that, particularly on the first um, college visit trip, that you do the three kind, what I consider the three kinds of schools, a small, maybe a small private school, small little liberal arts, liberal arts school, a medium sized school, and then a big school, a big state school, because, you know, kids might have an idea of what they want, but until they really are on campus and experience what it's like, the feeling of an intimate small school versus the feeling of, a, oh my God, there's so many things you can do here at a big school. Um, I think that at least helps them narrow down their choices of what kind of a school they want to look at so that future trips, you're going to only go see big schools or you're going to only go see small schools until they identify when they really are interested. I was going to say, just pulling an itinerary out of thin air, if you want to drive west into Iowa, you could go to Dubuque, hit Loris, go to Iowa City, see the big University of Iowa, and then go to the small school in Grinnell. I mean, and, and that's all within a, a four to five hour drive. Well, and that's almost exactly the first trip that we did. We went to um, August, Augusta, Augustana. Ooh, I can't remember. Um, and then we went to um, Iowa, and then we went to Grinnell, and my daughter ended up going to Grinnell. Well, then uh, she might probably see my niece who plays basketball for the uh, Grinnell team. So uh, it's a small world, Cindy. Cindy Richards, editor-in-chief of SheBuysTravel.com, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, the identity of Europe's top crude oil supplier may surprise you. It's, it's 60 Minutes of Financial Planning. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The European Union's top crude oil supplier is now the United States. Let's discuss how that came to be with Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst with GasBuddy.com based in Chicago. Patrick, thanks for joining us today. Is this a surprising revelation? I can't really say it is, Rob, especially in light of the ongoing Ukraine uh, war in Ukraine. Uh, this has been something, uh, kind of a, a, a shift, a, a paradigm shift, if you will, in the flow of crude oil. Countries, obviously, in the EU flowing away from uh, acquiring crude oil from Russia and replacing those barrels by buying them from the U.S. And so uh, countries like China, which had been recipients of a lot of U.S. 
crude have shifted their purchases to China, um, uh, excuse me, to Russia and other countries in the EU now buying uh, U.S. crude oil instead of buying it from Russia. So this is just a shift in market sentiment. But as long as the oil is flowing from Russia, we continue to see oil prices that are far lower than they were in the days after the uh, invasion of Ukraine. And what does this say about U.S. production capacity? Because a year ago, in addition to the supply shock uh, shock caused by uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, I mean, the, the, the oil and gas production sector was having the same issues with staffing and supplies and inflation that uh, the rest of the world was dealing with. Well, and and to your point, a lot of those pressures still are there, and there's a little bit of cautiousness when it comes to increasing production too quickly, especially in light of now a U.S. economy that uh, looks to be in somewhat uh, apparel moving down in terms of the Federal Reserve continuing to raise interest rates. But U.S. domestic oil production has continued to recover. We're up 700,000 barrels from a year ago. The U.S. now churning out about 12.3 million barrels. I think, Rob, the, the perhaps most uh, surprising is the amount of, of that oil and additional refined product that's flowing out of the United States. That amounted to over 80 million barrels last week alone. So uh, U.S. refiners in the U.S. is certainly acting uh, as a major supplier uh, to countries around the world. And uh, it's always interesting, uh, Patrick, to look at your uh, Twitter account at GasBuddyGuy because I think your analysis of the oil market and the petroleum and the distillates market, gasoline prices, uh, punctures a lot of narratives in every direction. And one of the questions I have to you is like, you know, always about energy independence. Um, so if, if the U.S. is a major supplier of European oil, uh, is it safe to say that the U.S. is energy independent, at least as far as gas is concerned? Well, certainly, uh, you know, we've never really lost that. Now, there were a lot of flows that changed because of COVID, and obviously U.S. domestic oil production took a hit. But the U.S. and oil producers here are certainly crawling back, and a lot of that production, like I said, is getting exported in the form of both oil and refined products, whether it's to South America, supplying diesel and gasoline to Mexico as well. We continue to be an export powerhouse. So uh, without the U.S., the world, uh, when it comes to oil and petroleum, would be in shambles. And so there's still a major role that the U.S. uh, is filling in meeting that demand. Patrick Tahan, Senior Petroleum Analyst, GasBuddy.com, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us. Still ahead in Travel Tuesday, how you can ride the rails on your next trip. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Surveillance footage is released following yesterday's deadly school shooting in Nashville. This is Mike Krauser. Reimagine the loop as a mixed use community. The mayor announces more than a thousand mixed income apartments in the loop. In Travel Tuesday, planning an adventure by train, and Apple debuts its pay later service, which will allow users to split their purchases into 
multiple payments. WBBM Business. The markets are lower right now. The Dow is down 40 points. The Nasdaq is down 88. The S&P 500 is down 13. We have 45 degrees right now in Chicago under cloudy skies going up to a sunny 50 this afternoon. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour. Police in Nashville have released about two minutes of edited surveillance video from the scene of yesterday's deadly school shooting. The latest from correspondent Rita Foley. The video shows the shooter's car driving up to the school. Children can be seen playing on swings in the background. Then an interior view shows glass doors to the school being shot out and the attacker ducking through one of the shattered doors. The shooter walks through a school corridor holding a gun with a long barrel and goes into a room labeled church office, then comes back out. In the final part of the footage, the shooter can be seen walking down another long corridor with the gun drawn. The person is not seen interacting with anyone else on the video, and the footage has no sound. I'm Rita Foley. Three historic high-rises in the loop are being converted into mixed-income housing, retail, and hotel space. Here's WBBM's Mike Krauser. Mayor Lori Lightfoot says the projects represent the repurposing of about a million and a half square feet of vacant commercial space, more than a thousand mixed-income apartments, 318 considered affordable in the LaSalle Street corridor where there are none. They would be set aside for tenants making about 50000 a year for a two-person household. The downtown area is essential to Chicago's success, and it is critical that we revitalize this area to its greatest potential. The buildings are at 111 West Monroe, 135 South LaSalle, and 208 South LaSalle. The total cost of the renovations is about $550 million. About $190 million is coming from TIF funds. That's the story from The Loop. It's 1232. Markets are lower. We're joined by Ryan Dietrich, chief market strategist with the Carson Group based in Omaha. Find him on Twitter at Ryan Dietrich. Ryan, thank you for joining us this afternoon. After a a, a rally last week and an attempt to kind of sustain those gains yesterday, it seems like the markets are taking a little bit of a pause today. Yeah, Rob, thanks for having me back. You're right. They are. And let's be honest, since the middle of March, We've had some bad news, as everyone's talked about. But I think what a lot of investors need to remember, S&P was higher the past two weeks in the face of, obviously, the banking crisis and some of the concerns. And to us, it's just kind of today, there's no real bad news. I mean, gee whiz, consumer confidence came in today higher than expected. I think that surprised, surprised some people. So it's not like any bad news today, just kind of catching its breath. I like, I like the way they put that. I mean, it seems like uh, it, that the, the the banking crisis is slowly moving into the rearview mirror. Obviously, you got to keep an eye on things, but it seems that investors, ever so slightly, are pivoting from banking worries back to interest rate worries. Uh, you're right. The last two days, we've seen interest rates go up a little bit. They sold off hard, you know, when the banking crisis kind of gripped a couple weeks ago. And tech, uh, tech, technology names have dropped a little bit the last two weeks because of that. But I think you're right. I mean, we're not ignoring the, the issues that are still there. But just look at the underlying pinnings of the economy. I mean, they're still pretty solid. Now, yes, we're going to see a slowdown due to what just happened with Silicon Valley Bank and, and the t- uh, credit tightening. But the truth is, again, the economy is still fairly solid. And we're going to get a lot more news the next couple of weeks as earnings season, uh, your first quarter earnings season really starts to heat up. Now, Ryan, uh, my high school physics teacher would probably had a head, have a headache uh, because of this following sentence, but it seems like the rate of deceleration in the housing market slowed down a little bit last month uh, simply because uh, mortgage rates declined a tad and a lot of people jumped back into the market. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, that, that confused me, too, along with your teacher there. But, no, you're right. I mean, the easiest, the easiest way to put it, yes, when rates were higher, of course the housing market was slower. And then we saw what happened. Rates go down and people jump back in. And that's kind of that, that thing I was talking about where the economy, it's not as going straight into a recession. We don't think it is. And, and that's one thing to consider. Also, today, there's some housing data case shiller. All the listeners need to know there. I think it's seven months in a row now housing prices have gone lower. Now, believe me, we don't want our housing prices to all go lower. But that's something the Fed is watching. The Fed wants things to slow down. And it clearly is. And that's um, we think more of a positive than not. And eventually, the housing market's going to come back. That last point on this, housing market was a major deterrent to GDP. That's how much the economy is growing last year. We think it could be a surprise the second half this year to the upside and increased GDP as the housing market comes back. And then very quickly, I want to touch on consumer confidence. You mentioned that just a couple of minutes ago about how it's surprised to the upside uh, in the most recent report. What really stood out to you? Well, exactly. I mean, you know, future expectations were a little bit better. Uh, just the overall headline number is better. But let's just keep it real simple. The biggest part of the economy is the consumer. The consumer continues to spend. Some credit card data we saw just last week said so the consumer is still spending on credit cards and debit cards in the face of all the scary news we've heard. So if the consumer stays strong like we think they can, that's a, that's a positive sign. And this is just one more bullet point to the consumer being uh, really the best part of this, this economy. Ryan Dietrich, Chief Market Strategist with the Carson Group in Omaha. Omaha, thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, Amtrak used to say there is something about a train that's magic. We'll talk about riding the rails coming up next. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday and Chicago is a great starting point for train trips across the country. Let's check out some of the best routes with Todd Powell, co-founder and president of Vacations by Rail based in Chicago. Todd, thanks for joining us today. And I don't know if there's something in the water or everybody has uh, Steve Goodman on the brain, but uh, three people I know, all unrelated, in the last three weeks have elected to travel to New Orleans via Amtrak's City of New Orleans, and all three said the uh, train trip was uh, rather enjoyable and a nice change of pace. So is that uh, what people discover if they've uh, taken or if they take a long-distance train trip, uh, potentially for the first time in their lives? Yeah, absolutely, Rob. Thanks for having me. I'm always excited to talk about rail travel. And the city of New Orleans, a 19-hour, 900-mile trip that really, it's really a, a train through music history. And there's just something so special about taking an overnight an overnight train uh, anywhere. And New Orleans is a, is a great place to start with, that, with just a 19-hour journey. And a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll break it up. And what we do when we put together our packages around the city of New Orleans is we break it up in Memphis so people can have some time in Memphis as well. And how does that work? Let's say you want to get off in Memphis, and parenthetically, we should mention that the city of New Orleans arrives in Memphis in the middle of the night. Um, but when you get off the train in Memphis, can you buy an Amtrak ticket from Chicago to New Orleans, get off, and then get back on, or do you have to buy two separate tickets? Um, you can, as long as you plan it, you can break it up, break up uh, the itinerary so that you can get off in uh, you can get off in Memphis. Uh, and actually, it leaves at nine o'clock in the morning and arrives uh, nine o'clock at night and arrives in the morning in Memphis on the way down. So you can spend a day there, and then you have another day, and then you board the train. You do the uh, all day service down to New Orleans. So it's a great place to break it up. You just have to do some planning. And when we put our tours together, we actually set those itineraries so that uh, people uh, can have a well planned trip and 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 go go smoothly throughout and then of course uh for the uh the, the sightseeing component um if you really want to 
see the Great Plains and the Rocky Mountains. Uh, definitely take the uh, Empire Builder uh, up to Seattle or potentially the uh, California Zephyr that uh, goes straight through the Rockies between Denver and Salt Lake City. Absolutely. You know, the railroads have a rich history and connection with the national parks. A lot of the national parks were developed because of uh, 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 through through the work of the railroads. And so Glacier National Park is a spectacular destination, 30, uh, 32 hours out of, uh, out of Chicago. And then you're right there, Glacier Park Lodge. You could do the Going to the Sun Road. Uh, we have tours that include that. And then we'll even take people down by motor coach to get them from Glacier all the way down to Yellowstone, Grand Tetons. We can even go out down and to Bryce and Zion on a tour such as our America's Treasures and Natural Wonders. The accommodations in an Amtrak train, I mean, they're not too far removed from uh, the compartment that Cary Grant and Eva Marie Saint shared in North by Northwest over 60 years ago. Uh, you still have uh, the you have the berth, you have a bedroom, um, and those things fill up fast, I've discovered. Absolutely, absolutely. So you need to, you know, people people book those particularly in the high season. So uh, for the the bedroom uh, that has the in room uh, sink, toilet, shower on the Amtrak train, um, those will sell out, and then they go up in price over time. So you want to make sure that you book early. Um, what we do in our escorted tours is we'll block some of that space so that people call and go on our escorted tours can have access to some choices between the roomettes and the bedrooms. And frankly, uh, if you want to have a spectacular journey, you having that bedroom accommodation, that private accommodation is, 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 is really a must. You know, you sleep overnight. And then one of the real special moments for me is when you get up and you walk down to the dining car and you have a coffee. And then the scenery is, it's like, it's like moving artwork, you know, whether you're going through the Great Plains or the Rockies. What is included in your sleeping car ticket on an Amtrak train? So the sleeping car ticket will give you the private accommodation, and then it will also give you your meals, uh, your meals on the train and the dining car. And then uh, we're talking a lot about Amtrak, but uh, there's certainly a lot to be experienced if you go over the border into Canada. And you have a couple of options. Uh, you could take uh, Via Rail Canada's, their transcontinental trip, the legendary Canadian. But there are also some private services uh, that will take you through the, the Canadian Rocky Mountains. Absolutely. So you have uh, two real uh, real options in the Canadian Rockies. So people may fly into Vancouver and then they'll pick up either Via Rails Canadian, like you said, and they can do the one overnight and get off in Jasper and then make their way down through to the Icefields Parkway to Banff, uh, Lake Louise, uh, and then maybe depart out of Calgary. And then Rocky Mountaineer is a private all daylight service. And where that trip is broken up between Vancouver and, say, Banff in a, in a city called Kamloops, so you have all daylight experience in, in, in the Rockies. It's really just about what experience somebody wants. So if they want to have that kind of what you said, the Cary Grant, like sleeping on the train, getting up and, and going to the dining car, the dome car, um, that's an option. And then alternatively is the all daylight sightseeing. Todd Powell, co-founder and president of Vacations by Rail, based in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Join us this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, Apple is allowing its customers to pay later. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Apple is introducing a pay-later service, which lets customers divide their purchases into several installments. Let's learn more from Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com, based in New York. Ted, thanks for joining us today. Is this simply uh, limited to Apple products, or can you use this anywhere? 
You can use it anywhere Apple Pay is accepted online or in apps. So that is an important distinction. It's not currently available for physical in-store purchases, but still that leaves millions of online and in-app opportunities to use this. It's basically Apple's version of the classic for interest-free payments over six weeks flavor of buy now, pay later. You know, the horse might have left the barn when uh, Apple Pay was introduced uh, a couple of years ago, but does this mean that uh, Apple is a financial services company as much as, as it is a tech and entertainment company? They're definitely getting even deeper into that, yeah, because they have Apple Pay, of course, they have Apple Card, they have a savings product. You know, Now this is their buy now, pay later offering. It does seem like they're getting deeper and deeper into financial services. I have to imagine there'll be some cross-selling opportunities with all this. And I'm sure they're also hoping, kind of like other super apps like PayPal slash Venmo and Block slash Cash App slash Afterpay, you know, these are all sort of different brands that have coalesced under the same roof. Um, You know, Apple now has a lot of different financial services offerings. What does this mean for the existing buy now, pay later services like the Affirms of the world? I think it's interesting on a few fronts. You know, one is the fact that Block acquired Afterpay. So I think this is another example of a really big behemoth, you know, in Apple now taking them on. A company like Affirm has been really successful with merchant partnerships. And I think that's still a little bit of their secret sauce. Now, Apple is a 800-pound gorilla to be contended with just because everybody knows them and they have a lot of super fans. It's a little bit of a different model. I think Apple's relying more on their direct relationship with customers, whereas a firm, I think, is finding people that might not even know they're looking for a firm. I think they're building their brand, too. But at first, their strategy was more partnering directly with the likes of Peloton and Amazon and others. And you just see it right at checkout. And it's like, hey, do you want to split this into four easy installments? With Apple, it's going to work a little differently. You need to seek out that loan product. But because so many people like Apple, it might work out for them. Ted Rossman, industry analyst, creditcards.com, based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.